Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from New York is Regina Gervich. Regina is Chief Compliance and Risk Officer for Omni Ophthalmic Management Consultants. And today we're going to be talking about how to succeed as a compliance officer. First, Regina, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Adam, thank you for having me. And I'm always happy to speak about compliance for, to anyone who is open to listen. Thanks. That's great. I appreciate that. So let's talk about some of the issues that you had raised, which is the headwinds. Um, first, what do you see as the drivers that motivate compliance professionals to do their work despite the headwinds that they often face? I think people who end up in compliance or start up in compliance are truly dedicated uh, to the profession and doing the right thing. Uh, over the number of decades that compliance officers have been around, uh, the profession and people dedicated to that themselves evolved under diff different pressures. The pressures of establishing autonomy early on, uh, separation from legal, finance, ops, uh, having their own seat at the table, not only seat at the table, but uh, the board actually paying attention to what the compliance officers are saying. Um, the profession itself evolved as well. Early on, uh, do the right thing. The slogan uh, of compliance was taken for granted. Right now, uh, we need to ensure that do the right thing is actually incorporated into processes, plans, projects beforehand, not after the hand. And uh, the headwinds, there are still too many. Um, the profession also evolved into overarching risk management category. I think of compliance as, uh, officers, and I think of people who manage regulatory, clinical, financial, operational risks. Depending on the size of organization, the headwinds might be uh, quite different. The idea is to keep your voice heard, to keep respect of all the potential headwinds and those who can blow those winds um, and stay true to oneself. Enjoy what you do on a daily basis. And that's important for any job, but especially this one, keeping track of the virtue rather than the hazards and struggles day to day is really important. So is it just a desire to ensure that people do the right thing or something else that you find is the most motivating? I'm idealist uh, by training, by education, by background. I grew up in a lovely city of Moscow, raised on classical Russian and European literature. And if you read too much Tolstoy, you start believing that people are all wonderful. Um, I think those initial notions of uh, and expectations is what keeps me sane during the day and keeps me going. Um, it's desire to talk, it's desire to learn. Um, optimal, uh, I understand that nobody wakes up in the morning saying, let's do the right thing, uh, the wrong thing, and let's uh, defraud the government. But not everybody knows to ask questions. Not everybody knows what is it they don't know. So engaging in continuous educational process across the organization, whether it's at um, 
uh, transactional level of employee or executives or highly educated uh, clinicians, I think it's a, for me, it's a desire to convince. And, and that leads to a, another question I have is, you know, what skills and traits are most likely to lead to success? You've named one, which is the ability to convince people. Um, Persuasion is incredibly important. What else do you see as being important? I think this regulatory framework involved uh, telling somebody this is what the law says and we have to do it this way uh, is no longer enough. Um, one needs to understand operations, nuances of operations and workflows, uh, not just uh, human nature to do what is usually easier to do. Um, so it's intellectual curiosity. Yes, I, I read a lot and I read diverse uh, set of literature, whether it's operational standard, MBA, uh, how to do books. Uh, but also I follow people and I learn how they do their jobs on the ground. Um, the other part in my mind is a will to negotiate. Um, and oftentimes, uh, compliance officers think that you cannot negotiate compliance standards. I think uh, it's a wrong posturing. I think you can negotiate non-negotiable. It's just you can't lose the argument. And it's sure. the art of continuously engaging across the board. Over the years, I can tell you, I didn't win every argument, obviously. But the arguments that I lost, Sometimes, on purpose, I didn't lose for a long time. I won them on the second or third round. What I won in losing were people I was trying to convince and the effort I put into that. The, lastly, I think the very important trait is a sense of humor and the other side of it, strong nerves. Because you will have to convince the same people over and over and over. Now, how important a role do you think business acumen plays? Um, you have to understand what you're dealing with. Telling somebody what False Claims Act is does not ne necessarily resonate with their day-to-day -day job. Unless you explain to them what is it exactly they do that might impact organizational good standing. So understanding that minutia of workflow and ability actually to draw the workflows and in my experience, I've drawn enough operational workflows. Um, a few times I was the only person who was drawing operational workflows as part of the argument with a larger group. Um, one needs to understand what moves the business. There is nothing wrong understanding where the money comes from and where the money goes. So what is the input in the business of healthcare and what is the output? And saying it's patient's health uh, health outcomes, it's too general. It needs to be very specific. Following the money. We all were taught to follow the money, but do we all understand finance? Could we actually run a, um, data analytics? I think it's all very important, but it became that important in the past, I would say, five, ten years when finance started driving healthcare institutions more and more. And when data mining became critical.
Well, and I think we're going to see a lot more finance being important with so much private equity flowing into the healthcare sector these days. You know, as you were talking just now and earlier, you talked about the ability to persuade. I want to go back to that. And, you know, there's a bit of persuading others, obviously, but also yourself to keep going and so forth. Um, how do you learn that skill? I think it's a state of mind. You have to be open. And it starts with listening. People are usually doing something certain way because they were taught, because they think it's right, or because they never thought it was wrong. Um, we deal with extremely smart, educated, ambitious, determined people. Think about convincing a surgeon to do something. It's an exercise. But first of all, I need to look at myself and convince myself that I fully understand not only the law, but its application. Um, I have to question my own assumptions. I can be the department of now. I need to be, uh, my mind needs to be agile and I need to be flexible um, before I issue the verdict. We're gonna do it this way versus the other way. So in my mind, it starts with me ability to persuade myself or rather um, having a, a healthy dose of self-doubt, uh, need to learn, read and observe. On the other side, persuading others often takes me in awkward and strange ways. I've discussed Persian literature. I discussed classical music. I discussed uh, absolutely uh, subjects absolutely not connected to compliance. But it's an art of conversation with of, which often convinces your opponent, uh, think of that high-end surgeon, that the argument I make related to compliance is worthwhile. They're measuring up not only to you, but to your mind, to your knowledge, to your intelligence. Um, and whether it's Persian literature, classical music, Wagnerian uh, uh, operas, at the end of the day, every time it made my arguments on the subject of the issue that much stronger. So uh, ability to persuade is not just entertaining questions or arguments. If it's uh, certain specialties, they would argue with you of, uh, at every point. But ability to logically and consistent, consistently answer the question. For them, any compliance issue is yet another patient case, and they need to fully assess and analyze the pros, the cons, and the diagnosis. Well, and your points about drawing from elsewhere, I think are good because, you know, the, the, the shortest distance between two points isn't necessarily a straight line when it comes to persuading people. Sometimes it's better to take them on a little circuitous route to get them to where you need to be. Well, Regina, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletow from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.